Hi, I'm Eva Makovic, and you're listening to the Reader's Digest podcast, in which we navigate the woes and wonders of modern life with leading experts on the tools that you need to survive and thrive in 2019. On today's show, Anna Walker talks to Maggie Piggott about her new book, How to Age Joyfully, which explains why the process of getting older should be something to enjoy and celebrate. Well, just start off by saying thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me. It's a subject I feel so passionate about. I'm thrilled to be here. Wonderful. Well, I wondered if we could start by just speaking about why is now a crucial time for the world to learn to age joyfully? Well, you're absolutely right. It is crucial and um, it's becoming increasingly crucial because we're all, we're all living longer. I mean, increasing longevity is, is a global phenomenon. Um, and I, I read an interesting statistic that uh, in 20 years, the numbers of people aged 65 uh, and over will increase by 40%. I mean, that's a huge increase. So if the world's going to have so many more older people, it, it is absolutely vital that that period of time of, in older age is not spent in ill health and uh, dependence and uh, unhappiness, but that we can all enjoy our later life and fulfill our potential. Um, and another reason is because if we don't do that, uh, our already heavily burdened and uh, pressured uh, NHS and social care uh, which is already suffering, um, I, I just wonder whether they'll be able to cope at all. So I think it is absolutely vital that we try and increase our health span, as I think they call it, to be as close to our lifespan as possible so that we can actually add life to our years as well as years to our life. Mm, sure. And what sort of changes do you think need to happen to improve the happiness of this sector of society? Oh, well, that is uh, a huge, complex issue, mm. a question. We could talk a whole podcast about what, what needs to be done, and, and I'm no authority on the, the bigger picture stuff, but I think changes need to happen right across society, and in fact, I think it starts right at uh, childhood, because from what I've read really a good education and uh, ha- uh, having good life chances and a good job actually affects very uh, dramatically how long you live and how well you live. So there are things that we can do right across the lifespan. The, the Centre for Aging Better has four requirements for living well and aging better and, and they are good health, physical, mental uh, security of financial circumstances, social connections and and purpose. So on a public policy level, I think we need to to look at those. Uh, My personal view is that we need to do a lot more on um, prevention, healthy ageing, enabling people to live well rather than tackling the problems once people have all those chronic conditions. But there are other areas like Oh, um, age-friendly communities, working practices to enable older people to continue to work for longer, like flexible working, uh, safe, accessible housing, and also tackling ageism, mm. um, which is, I'm afraid, sadly prevalent. But 
I think from my personal point of view, what I've discovered over the uh, years that I've been growing older, and I'm 68 next week, um, is that actually individuals themselves can make a huge difference, huge difference to how well we age. It's in our hands to a large extent. And I think that one of the things we can do is to communicate that to a wide range of people and help people to achieve that of what they can do as well as society at a more global level, mm-hmm. making changes too. You say you're 68 next week. Happy birthday. <laughs> is there anything that surprised you personally about the ageing process and growing older? Um, I think I think the biggest surprise to me was that I've loved my life. I've, I've always uh, enjoyed my work, uh, having a career, bringing up my two wonderful kids. Despite not being in the greatest of health, I, I think I've accumulated a new medical condition uh, with every decade <laughs> that's passed. Uh, I've now rattled with all the pills I take. Um, uh, but even though I, I've now got quite a few uh, medical problems. Actually, I found in my 60s I'm now happier than I've ever been before, and that really has surprised me because when I gave up work, which I did because of ill health, I was really depressed and uh, felt I had lost really everything, my identity, my status and interest, challenge, my colleagues. And I didn't really think that eight years down the line that I would be as happy as I am now. And what I found even more interesting and surprising is that the research backs that up and that, in fact, research shows that there is this U-curve of happiness, that people are at their happiest when they're 16 to 19, then it sadly goes down and then comes up again and then you become happy again after 65 uh, and that continues so I think that's that's wonderful and I've certainly found it it's it's the most wonderful stage of life giving me time to uh, spend more time with friends and family to do new things uh, to find new passions uh, so it, it's been the best time I think David Barrier yeah, it really summed it up. I love the quote uh, which he has, which says that uh, ageing is an extraordinary process whereby you become the person you always should have been. And, and I think that's really so true. And I've seen it in so many of my friends who are in their 60s and 70s who really are, have never been happier. And I think the other thing probably that has surprised me is how young I feel, mm. that despite actually being nearly 68, I, I still feel sort of in my 30s, um, and old age always seems to be about sort of 20 years away, uh, so this way, I don't suppose I'll ever get old, I'll <laughs> just hopefully get older, but not old, uh, and that's been surprising too, how young one can feel uh, in, in one's late 60s. Mm-hmm. And do you think there's anything that younger generations misunderstand about the ageing process? Yes, yes. I, I think there, there are a couple of things, probably. Uh, I think they feel it. Uh, from people that I've talked to, uh, my, my children and, and their friends and younger people I've met, I think they see it very much as a time of uh, decrepitude and um, dementia and uh, depression, 
dependence. And I think this is partly due because we're living far more segregated lives now. That in the generations back, families lived much more together, whereas now we seem to live much more separate lives. People don't mix so much. So I think a lot of young people don't mix that much with older people. And then again, I think that they fear it because of all the uh, portrayal of older age is so negative. Everything you see, and, and I thought that too before I became older, it was just that it was a depressing uh, time that really is, is all downhill. And the, the sad thing is that this so-called, I think they call it the narrative of decline, is actually absolutely wrong because most older people actually uh, don't have me mental impairments or cognitive impairments or even physical impairments. They are active and and well. They may they may have some uh, uh, conditions, but generally speaking, that they're, they're they're well. And in fact, eighty percent of people over eighty do not have dementia. <laughs> uh, and the rate is, is actually not increasing, although people keep talking about the greater numbers, but I think that's because we're just so many more people are living to a much greater age. And the other area is, is very much that they don't know that how much, to go back to the earlier point, how much of how well we age is actually in our hands. And another staggering thing I found when I was researching for the book was Samuel Gray, who is a professor of public health and a guru in the NHS. <clears throat> and he said there is a biological process of aging, um, but actually its effects um, are relatively insignificant until we're in our late 90s. And wow. that is just phenomenal to think that actually aging doesn't doesn't actually impact if you don't let it impact and if you're fortunate enough to to uh, <clears throat> age well that it really you can go on till your late 90s uh, much the same as you were before yeah so you also talk about in the book how it's never too early to start preparing for happiness later in life what steps would you recommend to someone who's still of working age to prepare for a happy retirement or life after work um well, I think the first thing I would say is, if you're enjoying life and enjoying your work, uh, I wouldn't retire, mm. uh, because uh, uh, an awful lot of people find their fulfillment and purpose in life from their job. Um, so if you can continue, that would be, that would be a, a, a great thing to do, but I appreciate that there are an awful lot of people when they get to their 50s who would still like to go on working but find that they, they can't get a job. And so it, it, it's, it's not possible for uh, everybody or that they have to give up because of their health or because of caring responsibilities or even workplace discrimination. Um, but I, I, there's a, another wonderful quote I found uh, from George Burns, uh, the comedian who worked until he was 100 when he died, who said, uh, retirement at 65 is ridiculous. When I was 65, I still had pimples. <laughs> and I just think he's lovely. He's one of my role models. Um, but apart from 
going on working if that suits you and you can. Uh, the other things I, I think I would say is uh, save as much as you can mm. because we are all living longer, as I mentioned, at pension ages are going up and I don't think people realise how much uh, they do need to save in order to have uh, sufficient money for when they retire and as I mentioned one of the four requirements for a good later life is uh, financial security. So. Uh, I think if you can do it, but again, it's so difficult for younger mm. people to save and, and uh, in the, this day and age. Then the other thing, uh, keep healthy, keep healthy. <laughs> um, follow the eight steps that I, I've outlined it in my book, um, because all of those things, the eight steps apply, I think, whether you're age 20 or whether you're aged 80 uh, and they'll all help you to age better once you retire and, and I think probably the most important is keeping physically active and then the final thing I, I would recommend is a book um, which my daughter's reading at the moment uh, called The 100 Year Life uh, written by two uh, professors at the London Business School, Andrew Scott and Linda Grattan, which actually talks about how we're all going to live to 100 and what you need to do in order to prepare mm. uh, for the fact that we are all living longer. And, and it's a great read, and certainly I would recommend that to people to read it before they retire. And prepare for a certain, to a certain extent, but then also go with the flow, and I just see what you want. Um, don't over plan for retirement because you might find that you want to go in a completely different direction. Certainly I did. Uh, I, I'm not doing anything that I did before I retired and I never thought that would happen, but my life has taken a completely different course now. And I think that's one of the wonderful things about getting older. And coming back to um, the importance of being physically active that you mentioned there, um, would you have any advice for people who maybe aren't very physically active now and feel a little overwhelmed by the prospect of increasing their physical activity? Mm. Well, it is difficult because we are leading so much more sedentary lives now and it is absolutely vital that we do keep moving uh, because, sadly, inactivity can actually kill you um, and it, it certainly shortens your lifespan and it, it, it can cause all sorts of serious diseases so it is so important to be physically active um, I think for somebody who hasn't taken any steps and who really is very inactive, I would just say move more, just move a little more. Uh, any activity is better than no activity, so just build it into your day naturally. Um, don't sit for hours and hours. There are some people apparently who sit for up to 12 hours a day, Gosh. Uh, and that's really, really bad for you. So get up every 20 or 30 minutes because it, it, it helps the body. Um, so just move. Walk. I think walking is fantastic. If you aren't a sports person, uh, you can. Anybody can walk a bit, and they, it's easy. It's free. It's sociable. You can listen to music. You can go out with friends. You can go into nature. 
uh, enjoy the scenery. And you can start really, really small. You can start with five, ten minutes and then build up from there and then you can build up the pace so that you walk more briskly because actually we should be walking briskly. But to start with, you can just do a little and slowly because any any walking actually helps. And then you can take the stairs instead of uh, going up escalators or taking the lift. You can get a pedometer to uh, help you measure how many steps you take in a day, get off the bus and uh, stop earlier. And then once you've got a bit more confident and you, you're incorporating walking more and activity more in your day, then try and go for the recommended guidelines, which uh, are everywhere, which recommend a certain amount, 150 minutes uh, a week of moderate activity or 75 minutes a week of uh, vigorous activity and they can be done in 10 minute bursts so they you don't have to uh, go to the gym and run on a treadmill So and pick something that you enjoy. I think that would be my absolute uh, key advice because if you don't pick an activity that you enjoy, you just won't stick at it and it won't become an integral part of your life. There are so many different things you can do from gardening, swimming, and, and for me, of course, dancing is my activity of choice. Yes, I was going to come on to this <laughs> and, and ask you about how dancing has become so important for your sense of joy. Oh, it's totally changed my life. <laughs> um, I never danced until my late 50s, uh, and then I discovered a local Latin dance class uh, and took up that and then moved on to Argentine tango, which I can't tell you is the most wonderful dance. Did that for four years and then moved on to ballet. Um, So three really different styles of dance. Oh, I've tried everything. I've even done, and I've even done a hip hop class. Nice. For the over (laughs) 60s, which I loved. If I could get into a regular hip hop class, I would do it. And I've done a bit of flamenco and contemporary. Just love it all. Uh, But there are so many different styles. You can find one that you like. And it has totally changed my life in so many ways. I mean, physically, I lost weight, I got fitter, I got more flexible, uh, my heart rate uh, improved. Um, it, it just made me move better, made me more confident mentally. It, it made me so much more joyful. Uh, it helped socially. I met, met, I've met so many wonderful people through dancing who also enjoy dancing and I've now joined a performing company called Sage uh, and we perform. If I had thought (laughs) when I was 40 that I would be on stage at a theatre dancing ballet, uh, (laughs) I tell you I would have just laughed but now I've actually performed. I'm hopeless. I'm still hopeless. I was hopeless. I'm a little bit better after 10 years but I'm still not good. But anybody can dance. I mean, literally anybody. You don't have to be good, and it doesn't matter if you're not on Strictly. Um, You can just enjoy it. And there are now classes for older people, Silver Swans for ballet, or or, um, Darcy Bustle's DD Mix for exercise dance. Uh, There are classes for people uh, with dementia. There are classes now springing up for Parkinson's. So even if you're disabled or whatever age you are, whatever your ability, there you can usually find 
at something where you can dance with other people. And if you can't, just put on some good music and dance around your kitchen. And I do that too. And it's just wonderful. It just transforms your mood. My, my mantra, my mantra is... You don't stop dancing because you grow old. You grow old because you stop dancing. And mm. I think it's so true, and I would recommend it to everybody. Did it take any adjustment to start enjoying something for the sake of doing it rather than to be good at it? I wonder if that's something that comes with age or if that's just a... Yes. Well, I think you're, you're less worried about how you're perceived. Um, I don't care that I'm, I'm, I'm no good. And I think you do get that sense of confidence when you get older that it doesn't really matter and you just go out there and do it. You're not so self-conscious um, and just have a go. Just have a go at anything and whatever you want to do. And I think it becomes easier to do that as you get older because you think, well, your time is limited. If I'm not going to do it now, when am I going to do it? So just go for it. And then you can find you enjoy it. And then gradually, very gradually in my case, you do get better. Um, and you persevere and don't give up don't give up and just keep at it and eventually uh, you hopefully will improve but if you don't it also doesn't matter yeah there's a Japanese word that you speak about in your book. I hope I'm going to say this right. Ikigai. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I've heard. I did look it up. I hope, so hopefully I'm getting that right. Um, which I believe means reason for being. Yeah. That's a concept that you connect to the fact that Japanese people have the longest life expectancy mm. in the world. Mm. I wonder if you could tell me a bit more about that concept and how maybe our listeners can welcome that into their own lives. Mm. Well, it, it isn't a very important concept. Uh, it's really about what makes you get out of bed in the morning uh, and it, it, it's vital to have a purpose. Again, it's one of the four uh, requirements that the Centre for Aging Better has said, having a, a purpose in life. Um, and I think what one needs it quite often, as I think I mentioned, you get it from your job when you're younger or bringing up your kids, but it can be difficult once you've retired because you may have lost that, kids have left home, you've retired, you, and you sort of think, well, what am I going to do now for the next 30 years, hopefully? But it, it, it's a wonderful time to actually try and go out there and find your purpose, and it, it's it's... It's possible. You can try new things. Uh, you can find out what you want to do and think about what you like doing as a child and uh, perhaps have another go at that or things you always wanted to do but you never had the time or the money to, to do it. Uh, research, find out things you enjoy. And there's just so, so many things, volunteering, helping friends, helping family, um, travel, helping out in your community, uh, doing sports, physical activity, creative activities, they're incredibly good for you, uh, singing or painting, um, and they will all give you a sense of purpose. It doesn't have to be a job, but it, it can be anything. I mean, my dance gives me a sense of purpose, working for the next performance and hoping I'm not going to screw up on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I think it's it's never too late to find what you want to do and be, and you can you can look on the internet or, or discuss with other friends what they enjoy doing or read and, and f- find something that gives you that sense of fulfillment and I think for a lot of people in later life it's giving it's giving and helping others mm-hmm. and that's wonderful and that's one of my eight steps is is giving and I think 
we have the time when we're older uh, and the experience to be able to do that. Sure. A lot of the suggestions you mentioned there have a very social aspect to mm. them. I think for many people, a fear about getting older and especially a fear about retirement is mm. isolation or loneliness. Mm. Mm. Um, do you have any sort of words of people that maybe want to try and keep isolation at bay during retirement are worried about it? Mm. Mm. Well, absolutely. Uh, although loneliness actually affects people at every age and in fact young people there's a problem about loneliness in in younger people which surprised me uh we're we're suffering a a, a loneliness epidemic apparently but i think as you say when you get older there are more challenges with uh you leaving your job your family perhaps living far away you have health issues that can make you less mobile uh, or being digitally excluded so it is, but it is vital for us to keep socially connected because it's very bad for us if we don't. Apparently, it's as um, detrimental uh, to our health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Gosh. So it's really important to get out there. Uh, tips? Well, connect. Just do whatever you can to keep in touch with your family, your friends still see your work colleagues. I still meet up for lunch with my colleagues from work from eight, nine years ago. We regularly meet for lunch. Find a shared interest, classes uh, in a topic that interests you, that will introduce you to other people. Um, that's where organizations like Open Age, which is a, a charity I'm involved with for older people, uh, is just so brilliant. And U3A, these organizations that bring people together for activities which knock so many of these things on the head, like giving you a purpose, uh, enabling you to grow, uh, and also socially connecting people. So there's, there's a, a raft of things you can do in Volunteering is a, is another one. Charities, getting involved in charities, and the internet. I think people think, oh, the internet and social media is not for older people, but it, it actually can be a huge resource for connecting people. It's not a substitute for one-to-one meeting, and which is crucial, but it can add huge values if you can learn to be on Facebook or Twitter, Uh, you can connect with friends and family across the world, you can find out about uh, your interests. I've started a Twitter account and I was amazed how much uh, it brought me in touch with other people that I've actually met. Uh, It's all about ageing joyfully Um, and that that is a huge resource for connecting. Forums um, on, on the internet if you have a health condition there are health forums that you can tap into which will connect with other people who might help and give you support so there, there are there are loads of ways dating agencies mm-hmm. traveling solo holidays oh the list is is fairly endless of sure. what you can do to get out there but it, it does take bravery mm-hmm. and it, it takes a bit of courage to get out there and it's not easy for everybody to do that I appreciate that but just being friendly to people at the supermarket queue or when you're waiting for the doctor, it's amazing what what that can do. If you just say hi to somebody next door to you, it can lift your mood and you might find a new friend. So start small and get a friend to help you. We live in this world of 
constant information overload. I mean, you've, you've spoken about some of the positives of social media and the internet, but on the flip side, of course, it does mean we're constantly in touch with news around the world, mm. and often this is negative news. Yeah. How can people sort of try to become more positive in a world that sometimes feels like it's trying to make us worry all the time? Mm, yes, well, I think one should switch off social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to say I don't listen to the news a lot now. Mm. I try and just watch and, and uh, listen to things that are positive. I've given up all, all serious and depressing films now. <laughs> I just go to things like the exotic Marigold Hotel. Uh, <laughs> because I think we need more joy in our lives. So, uh, and if you have a, a positive attitude to ageing. Research has showed you you can live up to seven and a half years longer wow. than if you have a negative attitude. So it, it, it really pays off to, to be more positive. I think that you can certainly help yourself in the way you think. You can become more positive. It, it, uh, only about 25% uh, of low optimism is inherited so the rest of it is down to you and you can take steps by trying to focus on the positive ignoring all this ageism and negative stereotypes that there are think about all the good things that about ageing, role models uh, associate with positive people who lift you up and don't sort of drain your, your energy uh, ban Talking to yourself negatively, if you catch yourself talking negatively, challenge it and say, why? Is that, what's the evidence? And uh, will it really matter in a year's time? So there are lots of things in thinking, like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which changes the way you think. But there are also actions you can do to make yourself feel more positive. I mean, exercise is absolutely, going back to that, is one of them. But things like making sure you sleep well, meditation, being mindful, being grateful for uh, what you have, um, and, and just accepting that life can be hard, it, it can be really difficult. I've had some really seriously, we were discussing uh, earlier, but I've had some really difficult times in my life, and that's going to happen to everybody but those times do pass and most things get better uh, and I think you have to focus on what you can change and what you can control and try and try and let go the things that have happened that, that are difficult and hard and, and try and just be in the moment and enjoy life because you're not going to be here forever and uh, there's just so much that we can be grateful for in our lives now um, that, that if we just look around, you know, just a sunny day or reading a book or listening to a comedy can uplift your mood and dancing is great for making you feel positive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Maggie. I um, really appreciate pleasure. it. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. And How to Age Joyfully is available in all good bookstores.